Headlines this week featuring LeBron James calling NFL team owners old white men with slave mentalities. New Jersey superintendent deciding the referee that made the team cut his hair won't be allowed to do any refing in the district for wrestling anymore. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, having her cancerous nodules removed from her lungs were pretty big ones. And the first two made it sound like we were really going there this week. But they weren't quite big enough to make it into the tops this week. They're not top 10 material, as said per you in our social media. So how do we get to be top 10 material? We'll tell you about the ones that got in there and tell you how that happens in just a minute here on the wrap-up show from ThisIsAConversation.com with me, Jay Cleveland Payne. This is for the week ending and the year ending on December the 29th, 2018. And welcome to the show. I'm Jay Cleveland Payne, your host for the weekly wrap-up here on ThisIsConversation.com, or in the Ethernet of the Internet, if you will. Brought to you by ThisIsConversation.com, where we give you the chance to have the best conversations with the best people in the world. That's all of you guys out there in the world on some of the best stories and sometimes some of the sillier stories out there in the world. This is your first time here. Here's how it works. We're going to open up with the top 10 going Casey Kasem from 10 to 1 style of the stories that were announced by you, ranked by the people out there who follow us on social media as the ones that were the most relevant, most important, most interesting, the tops for the week. We will then come back with a talk about the almost irrelevant story, which is the very last story of the list. Normally that's a timing issue. This time it was number 126 in the posting, and it definitely was a timing issue, and it's a very actually very important issue that extends some talk we had last week we'll get to that in a bit plus we will get to what we call rounding out the top 15 that's stories 11 through 15 stories that i used in a tease some of those there that weren't quite big enough for top 10 status and we may talk about why or why not they came in there so you get a full range of what was in there from the top to the almost top to the very bottom of the listing. Of course, we cut this thing off early on Friday mornings, Friday the 28th as it is. So uh, we start recounting from this Friday till next Friday. So you get about seven and a half-ish days of time to play with stories. Now, how do you get a chance to play with the stories? It's very simple. We want you to follow us on social media. Follow. This is a conversation on Twitter by following TH underscore conversation. It is This is the Conversation on Facebook and on Instagram. Facebook and Twitter are posting stories all day long, 24-7 more or less, and you can basically see them at any point in time. Instagram, we just post a wrap-up of the top five for the day. You'll see that every single day. What a reminder to go back and check out the website. Go to the website as well, as you can see it's sniff there. We do get some points there. But basically, everything in your analytics for Facebook and Twitter get put into a spreadsheet wrapped up sync together, count it down, and then we have the numbers here. So we'll get to that pretty quickly, getting in, knocking this thing out as quickly as we can. And we appreciate all the feedback we've gotten from folks who've gotten back into the podcast as we've gotten back into as well. So let's, without further ado, get into the podcast and get in with story number 10 for this week. The headline for number 10 reads like this. Kevin Spacey posts video as Frank Underwood to confront sexual assault claims posted on December 24th. And we got this one from Hollywood Life, and that's where this one is. But it was a pretty big thing on the Internet, um, or IndieWire, I should say, not Hollywood Life. IndieWire is where we got this one from. Uh, let me read you a couple lines from the story. Kevin Spacey returned to social media December 24th for the first time since being accused of sexual assault in October 2017. 
The disgraced actor published a video of himself as the House of Cards character Frank Underwood in which he seemingly addressed the dozens of sexual harassment and assault allegations against him. By assuming the role of Underwood, the video's goal appears to be twofold. Underwood is commenting on his fate after being killed off in the final season of the Netflix series, and Spacey is rebuking those who despise him because of his alleged behavior. Now, this was all sorts of weird, but the story gets all sorts of even weirder. Of course, he's assuming he's uh, facing more sexual assault charges. This all came about from some very old charges from um, older, now older stars who said when they were young, they were assaulted by Kevin Spacey, and many other people came out as well. He's now facing assault charges that are fresh, brand new, and apparently as of days ago, we found out there is video of him uh, groping some guy at some party. Uh, that sounds like proof to me. And those are the charges he basically he'll be facing up, up fairly soon, be arraigned on that, I'm, I'm told, very soon. We will find out more about this story because it won't go away, and Kevin Spacey apparently decided to come back at the very wrong time for this one. We're going to go a little deeper with this one because it needs a bit of explanation and it's easier to just read it from the story where it gets to the head points, the big points, than to try to break it down. So the headline is, Mariah Carey's record-breaking day shows how little musicians make from Spotify. We got this from Quartz. We posted it on December 26th. Obviously, it happened on Christmas Day. And we got a bumper response from the 10 story of 7.18%. I'm going to read you uh, quite a bit from the Quartz story, so bear with me on this one. Mariah Carey is not a struggling musician, obviously. She's super popular. According to Money, Inc., her net worth is over $500 million. She won five Grammys. Her ubiquitous seasonal hit, All I Want for Christmas is You, is so widely adored, it just broke Spotify's single-day streaming record with almost 11 million listens on December 24th. Yet, relatively speaking, the Christmas jingle won't make that much money from the record-breaking day. Spotify pays whoever holds the rights to the song anywhere between .006 and .0084 cents per day. The rights holder can then split these earnings between the record label, producers, artists, and songwriters, which means splitting pennies between many parties. Assuming the popular song is paid at the highest price of .0084 cents per stream for 11 million listeners, the rights holders and holders will earn $92,400 before splitting their earnings. It's not a terrible take for a single day, there's also not a lot of money given just how much people seem to love Mariah Carey's Christmas jingle and the enduring appeal between them. The parties could all split a luxury car to share rides. Individually, they could maybe buy each a Toyota. Now, it goes deeper into the, the story and the, the writers, owners, and stuff like that. And the previous day sales records was held by Triple Extension. Um, that happened on June 18th, of course. That was the day he died in a Florida shooting. Essentially, everybody went and bought it that day. Previously, it was Taylor Swift's um, Sad, uh, which had 10,000, or at least um, that's, that's the one he broke. Sad was previous before there. A triple extension's uh, number of listens was, was 10,415,008. A whole bunch of numbers. But somewhere in there, Drake did some stuff in here and there. But that shows you that there is some beef and some reason to complain about the people getting paid off the streaming services, although it makes it easier for some people to get paid the amount of money they're getting paid may or may not be worth the effort. Let's move on to what is basically my favorite story of the week. Uh, your mileage may vary, but it is something that is just so bizarre. I'm sort of glad it happened because I get to talk about it, and you guys sort of agreed. It's at the eight spot this week. 
Bear rips off, eats woman's arm at Christmas party. Wednesday, December 26th. Obviously, it happened on Christmas. Uh, and a bump response of 4.12% in the action from the previous story. So, what are the details? Here are some of the somewhat gruesome details, so bear with me. Oh, by the way, it came from the International Business Times, which is kind of odd in itself, but there you go. A caged brown bear tore off a woman's arm and ate it during a Christmas party in Altschik, Russia. The party was taking place at a guest house where the incident happened. An unnamed 53-year-old woman was reportedly an employee at the guest house and was spotted heavily drinking at the party, according to reports. The bear attacked her when the woman stuck her arm hand near the cage. Shortly before the attack, she apparently boasted to other people that she could get close to the bear and feed it. As soon as her arm went inside the cage, the bear grabbed it and with its jaws and bit it off. The animal was later spotted chomping on the woman's arm. The woman sustained heavy body loss, bl- heavy blood loss, and was rushed to a nearby hospital where she underwent emergency surgery at the stump of her hand. She was reportedly to be in grave condition following the attack. Nobody knows where exactly it happened. Nobody knows where the bear came from. Well, that's not true. The owner of the guest house apparently is known for having wild animals and already he got busted for having other bears there. That bear, unfortunately, was not removed. So there you go. There's your warning. And that's also why I avoid Christmas parties because who wants to deal with the hassle of bears, you know, ripping your arms off? Here comes another story coming off of the 7 spot. Police officer accused of filming himself having sex with animals. Yes, it's animals all over the place this week. Friday, December 21st, is with, this one was posted. Bumper response of only 1.98% in from the 7 to the 6, 7 to the 8, 8 to the 7. Let's tell you a little bit about this story as we got the details on this one, as weird as it is, coming from um, CBS4 in Indianapolis. Here it comes. Uh, out of Bossier City, Louisiana, a police officer in Bossier City, Louisiana, had been arrested for filming himself having sex with an animal. 38-year-old Terry Yetman was arrested on December 19th and charged with 20 counts of sexual abuse of animals by performing sexual acts with an animal and 20 counts of filming sexual acts with an animal, according to Louisiana State Police. So having sex 20 times and filming it 20 times. Yetman, a Bossier City police officer, was the recipient of the 2018 Trey Hutchinson Award, which is presented by the Bossier Domestic Task Force to officers who champion the rights of domestic violence victims and their families. Detectives with Louisiana State Police Special Victims Unit began an investigation into Yetman's activities in August, and that investigation resulted in a search warrant for Yetman's residence. Detectives found pornography involving sex acts with an animal on electronic devices belonging to Yetman, according to LSP. Yetman turned himself in. We learned the warrants have been issued for his arrest. He's currently being held in the Bossier Max Correctional Center on a $350,000 bond, according to LSP. The investigation is still open and may result in additional charges. That is the scariest part of the story. Moving on to the number six story this week. The headline is North Korea ordered to pay over $500 million to Otto Warmbier's parents. We got that story and posted it on our listing on Monday, December 24th, and it got a bumper response, a very large one, if you will, 33.5% from the number seven story. Some details from this story, which is kind of bizarre in itself, that we got when we pulled it off the NBC News website. 
the parents of American college student Otto Wambier are entitled to more than $500 million in damages from the government of North Korea, a judge ruled on Monday. Fred and Cindy Warmbier of Wyoming, Ohio, filed a suit against the North Korean government in the federal court in Washington last April, seeking $1 billion in damages. Otto Warmbier, 22, was arrested in North Korea on January 2016 for allegedly stealing a propaganda poster. He was sentenced to 15 years in prison but died last year after being released from the country in a coma following 17 months of torture and captivity. The Warmbier lawsuit claimed that North Korea violated international law by forcing their son to confess to carrying out an act of subversion on behalf of the United States government. So damages were given in the exact amount of $501,134,683.80. Whatever, whatever. But here's the deal. How do you collect on North Korea and how does North Korea get, get sued in the first place? What this essentially is, it's... It's a it's a very, very, very large version of a small claims court suit where the person who was summoned to appear did not appear, that being the North Koreans. So they essentially lose by default because they had very little to give themselves up on. And the dollar amount was given arbitrarily by the judge. The judge can decide whatever he wants to, and he did, which is a pretty big figure. Now, what they can do is they can seize assets in the United States and give them to the warm beers that are worth the $500 million if they want to. But essentially, it comes down to a diplomatic issue where diplomats on both sides deal to get money from North Korea to the people to pay the restitution. And chances are they won't get $500 million. They would never going to get $1 billion. It was a way to just punish the North Koreans. And I think a $1 billion, $500 million, any way you look at it, for a country that's so poor is a punishment for people, that being Kim Jong-un, who may not be so poor, it sort of is a punishment if you can get your hands on his change. Moving on to the number five story this week. This is the headline, something a lot of people were into this week. It reads, Johnny Depp officially dropped from Pirates of the Caribbean, Disney Brewster confirms. Saturday, December 22nd, on that one, jump a response of just 1.09% from the sixth story. Now, some lines from the headline from the story, the 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 story we pulled from the Independent on that day go like this: Johnny Depp's tenure as Captain Jack Sparrow has officially come to an end, following a Disney executive's confirmation that the actor will no longer be a part of the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. Studio production chief Sean Bailey was speaking about the previously re- announced reboot, said to be written by Deadpool's Paul Wertnick and Red Reese, which he was asked whether the series could survive without Depp. Rather than deny the reports, Bailey told The Hollywood Reporter, quote, We want to bring a new energy and vitality. I love the pirate movies, but the part of the reason Paul and Brett are so interesting is that we want to give it a kick in the pants, and that's what I've been tasked with. Unverified news that Depp would not be in the reboot surfaced in October during a red carpet interview in which their original film scriptwriter, Stuart Beadle, called Depp's time in the franchise a great run. Of course, Depp has played the role in Sparrow for five films across 14 years. Yes, that's how long it took to make all five films, which have accumulated box office takings of over $4.5 billion, making it the 12th biggest franchise of all time, with a chance to go a little bit bigger with the reboot, which will be counted. They do count the Creed movies as a part of the Rocky series, so that makes money on itself. So the new Pirates movies will count, at least money-wise, in the coffers. <laughs> Bad joke aside for um, the Pirates of the Caribbean, even though the originals will be gone. 
Very sad story for the number four one. Patrick Frazee, fiancé of missing mother Kelsey Berndt, arrested for murder. Friday, December 21st on that one. Bumper response of 4.32% in the story. Let's read a few lines from this article we have from ABC News. Patrick Frazee, the fiancé of missing Colorado mother Kelsey Berndt, was arrested for first-degree murder and solicitation to commit first-degree murder Friday morning, nearly one month after Burrith vanished, police said. Burrith, a 29-year-old mother of a one-year-old girl, was last seen on Thanksgiving in the area of her Woodland Park home. Her body has not been found, but uh, information is helping narrow down the search, Woodland Park Police Chief Miles DeYoung said in a news conference on Friday. The crime may have occurred in her home, police said. Birth phone, however, ended up in Idaho, and authorities are working to recover it. Birth and Frazee's baby is in protective custody and will be reunited with Bertha's family. Chief said Frazee was booked on first-degree murder and solicitation to commit first-degree murder, prosecutors said, with formal charges to follow. Our hearts, prayers, thoughts, all we can give out go out to the family of Kelsey Barrett, um, and we will see how this thing progresses uh, going further on as this story will definitely uh, have more details going through it. The next one is a super story. We will explain more of what a super story is and does, but the quick explanation is there were multiple articles on this one, and we combined all the articles together to basically keep it from being three or four listings inside the top 10 and top 15. It only made it to top three because of of its super story nature, but it was already in the top 10 a few times based on the number of things popping up and it being a pretty big story covered throughout the week. Here it is. Get with drone latest. Please say it's a possibility there was never a drone. This was the highest rated Twitter story, by the way, and a bump response in total. Remember, it was a super story of 20% on the nose from the number four story. Some lines from this, which is the latest, the very latest one we posted. We posted four of these originally, starting with the Gatwick uh, airport being shut down because of drones and opening up because of drones and investigation going on. And finally, finally, maybe there wasn't a drone after all. An officer investigating the drone chaos at Gatwick Airport says there is no footage of the device which sparked it and is a possibility. That's a quote, he said. There never was one. Asked about speculation, there was never such a drone flown over the airport. Detective Chief Superintendent Jason Tingley told the BBC, quote, of course, that's a possibility. We are working with human beings saying that they've seen something. Until we've gotten more clarity around what they said, the details, the time, the place, direction of travel, all those things, that's a big task. The incident, which was sparked by a drone sighting on Wednesday around 9 p.m., left planes stopped from coming to or going to the airport. Some 140,000 people were affected as services were delayed and canceled. There are working theories to the disruption, but essentially the original thought, hey, there's a drone, we can't fly around because the drone could injure people and aircrafts, shutting down the airport, apparently was not exactly the case. We will hopefully find an answer to this one. The answer will hopefully not be something as simple as aliens. So that would be an answer. Not necessarily a grand answer, but it would be an answer. Another sad one here. Dad's confrontation with basketball coach ends in double shooting. December the 25th. Yes, we posted this one on Christmas Day. Uh, a bump in response from the number three story of, yes, 75.57%. This one was a big one. You guys cared about this story quite a bit over the time. And like you said, 
It had a lot of love on both social media accounts, both Twitter and the Facebook. Here's some lines from the New York Post uh, before we got this link to the story. The father of a Brooklyn High School basketball player got so upset about his son's lack of court time that he confronted the kid's coach during a melee, which resulted in both being shot by a third man, sources said. The father, 47-year-old Christopher Hooks, went to the home of Paul Roberson High School coach Todd Miles Saturday night, according to police and league sources. Hooks was angry over his son's lack of playing time in a game a few days earlier and wanted to confront the 40-year-old coach, according to sources. The game took place on Tuesday when Roberson lost to West House High School. Hooks' wife was visibly enraged about her son's lack of playing time, a league source says. When Hooks went to argue with the coach at the home, a third man arrived at the scene and started shooting, police sources said. It's not clear why. Hooks was shot in the neck and Miles was grazed in his left leg. Hooks had to, had to undergo surgery, sources said. Gunman has not been apprehended as of late Monday. Fans were outraged by the violence. If this is what high school sports has gotten to, it's going to scare a lot of people away from coaching, a leak source says. Another quote, it's sad that parents are losing their minds. So while this is one of the weirder stories, it's also a very serious story because people could have been hurt that weren't, which is a good thing. But the fact that, one, they're arguing over playing time for a kid, trust me, I get that. Uh, Although how heated these things get are pretty stupid, too. The fact that some random-ish person maybe came up and started shooting at him because two guys were yarkering? I mean, who? Uh, I can't say who does that because obviously this dude just did it. And the number one story of the week, while not my favorite, of course, my favorite goes to the bear that ripped the lady's arm off, is pretty, pretty close. And this is also one that's fitting of the holiday season in so many ways. Headline. Oh, first, that's, that stretches out to put a little teaser on this thing. It gets a bump response from the number two story of 10.31%. It gets a bump response from the number 10 story this week, which was Kevin Spacey, 272%. And the number 126, Mr. Irrelevant of the Week, the almost inconsequential story of the week, 30, 33,600% that many more times of love. This is also the top Facebook story of the week and pretty good on Twitter as well. Women try stealing from Target full of police during Shop with a Cop event. Yes, Sunday, December 23rd, as we said, we did this. So let me get you a little bit about the details on this one because trust me, if y'all didn't vote on this one, you're going to want to hear the deets. Here we go. Bloomfield, Bloomfield Township, Michigan. Two women tried stealing nearly $2,000 worth of electronics from a Target filled with police who were there for a charity event. Kiana Wilson and Dana Johnson walked through the store Wednesday loading electronics, including two Apple Watches, two iPads, and a Nintendo video game system into a cart, the Detroit Free Press reported. Johnson, 18, at one point stopped to talk with a police officer saying how generous the cops were with their time, the Free Press reported. The woman later walked past the registers without paying and were stopped by loss prevention officers, the Free Press reported. Free Press reports a lot. They asked for police assistance, who were there about 20 feet away. It wasn't 10 minutes later that the same officer gets called into the loss prevention office. Bloomfield Township Police Station Sergeant Dan Brown told the Free Press he was trying to distract, she was trying to distract them. The target was filled with about 15 officers from four neighboring departments for a shop with a cop event benefiting underprivileged children who got to pick out Christmas presents for their families. Officers spent about $5,000 on gifts for the families of 22 children. 
Yay. Wilson, 40 of Burton, and Johnson of Flint were arrested in charge of felony retail theft. The Free Press reported Wilson is being held on $20,000 bail. Johnson's being held on $25,000 bail. So those nice young ladies got their just desserts for their Christmas stealing uh, by trying to steal with the cops around and still trying to steal once they realized what was going on. Sometimes you get dumb crooks and sometimes you get dumb crooks. But this one is a great story, as said per you. You guys said this one was the tops of the week. And how did you do it? Well, one more time. You followed us, that being the conversation, the overall conversation on Twitter and Facebook. TH underscore conversation on Twitter. And this is a conversation on Facebook. And while the stories came in your feed, you reacted to them in some way. You liked them. You loved them. You hated them. You shared them. You responded to them. There were a lot of responses to some of these stories. And the more responses they got, the more engagement they got, the higher they went in the polling for this week to give us the top 10. Coming up in just a bit, we will get to the almost relevant story of the week and why it's very important. It's a very important story. We'll talk about that in a minute. We'll go through rounding out the top 15. We'll get some shout outs in and any housekeeping that may need to be done. Basically, we'll sort of quickly explain the super story concept again. We'll do that quickly after a quick step away here from the wrap up show. From This Is Conversation with me, Jay Cleveland Payne. This is for the week ending December the 29th. 2018. Two thousand and nineteen is literally days away. A brand new year is almost here. A great time to start fresh, so you're already doing that with all of the stuff you gathered last week in your Christmas gifts. What about the upcoming year and a great time to start over fresh in the bedroom? We're talking about with the bed. Back away here. We have a New Year's sale going on from Bear Mattress. Bear Mattress is one of the great sponsors for this here program, and they're going to give you great deals. $125 off orders over $500 or even $225 off orders over $1,200. So the more you spend, obviously the more you save. And if you check in on this right now, you get a free bear pillow, more accessories for you. Now, the bear mattress is a brilliant mattress. There are plenty of other mattress things that you can order online, but bear mattress offers two different types, what they're calling the regular mattress and the hybrid mattress. And it's just like everybody else. A, A box comes to you in the mail, you open it up, It expands to the size of a bed, and bam, you've got a bare mattress to sleep on. And you can sleep on it for 100 days without paying a cent, a 100-day trial period. And if you don't love it, they'll come and somehow take it back. I'm not sure if they stuff it back in the box, but they will come back and get the mattress that you chose and take it home. And they come in all the sizes you're looking for, from the Twin XL to the King size to the California King, if you're one of them type of folks. You can get it in either the regular style or the mattress style. For more information on the mattress and to see the great deal we have for you, we want you to check out our website link. It is at thisistheconversation.com slash bear mattress. That's bear like a bear, B-E-A-R. And, of course, no spaces, please. This is the conversation.com slash bear mattress for your great deal that you can get right now. Time's running out. Just a few days on this New Year's Day sale is up for the bear mattress.
wrapping up the week and the year, literally, with shout-outs. Uh, some shout-outs for the week. We This year, we didn't come up with a big, grand design year-end uh, thing. We actually had a good idea for that, planning on after we transitioned from last year, 2017 to 18. But our unexpected hiatus threw that off. But So we're just happy to have a show. And I think we're doing pretty good for the day. But shout-outs to many of the usual suspects starting off on the Facebook crew, including uh, uh, Dan- Daniel Williams, uh, Derek Jones, and Kat Throp. Some newer people in here include Vicki Van Hove, Stephanie Sunshine William, aw, Sunshine, and some love from the single simulcast and also another usual suspect, Maldonado Slim, all in this one for this week. Thank you so much for joining us for conversation and giving extra conversation inside of Facebook. On Twitter, some usual suspects include AARP Goddess, also Perrine Doubt, some new folks coming in are Christine Matthews, Electric Dragon, After Six Podcast, and also Terrence Williams. I think he's a kind of an old head, though. So thank you so much for you guys for being a part of the thing. You can just get read in as a shout-out by giving some extra love, replying, shouting, loving, hearting some of these things inside of the Facebook and Twitter so we know exactly who you is. Now, let's do something really quick on housekeeping. There's not a lot of housekeeping there, but for people who have just gotten into this podcast for the conversation, uh, it's something that we've been doing. Uh, we figured out fairly early on when we had multiple stories or multiple versions of the stories when things would be updated and get more responses and they would be very big stories so they'd always come up in the top 10 and we would want to give them a fair share we would basically target those stories uh in the listings go through the listings from 10 to 20 or so making sure that all the top stories are actually top stories and we look for things that are repeats or we look for things that we know are actual doubled up stories even if they're lower than the top 20 and we combine the numbers to the stories in the past i'd put all of the headlines in a big gap and put them there and just kind of read the headlines because it'd be a story that would be progressing this time i decided just to take the final headline and not try to mumble through all of the craziness as is explaining the story and just explaining from the latest part of the story which should all which should obviously recap most of the details which is why for the story about the drone at the airport in, in England uh, we just used the final story that we posted which was the fact that maybe there wasn't a drone attack the first one was a drone was spotted shut down the airport the second one was the airport opened back up third one was details on the drone and the fourth one was maybe there was never a drone it was all a dream so that's why we did it that way. So we're, we're, we're refining how we're doing things for the podcast. I think that's going to be a good one, to be honest, working it that way. So thank you so much for joining us for that and sticking with that. And even with the uh, the adding in of the four stories, uh, only two of them were basically in the, the top. So it only moved it up a couple notches up into the third spot. It didn't really kill it. We had issues like when we had school shootings or various storms where those coverage were massive over the week where the stories were already going to be at the tops anyway, where you needed to put all of them together and they turned into massive jumps because of all the responses. This one uh, made a slight little tug, but it was going to make it there anyway. We just tried to make it a bit more clarifiable, not a real word, and make sure we got in as many stories as possible. So there you have it. That's all the housekeeping I have. If you want me to do more housekeeping, asking questions that maybe you don't understand that I've missed out on answering, send us an email at theconversationinbox at gmail.com, and we'll answer it in an upcoming episode. Ta-da! Just like that. Now, we're going to go to the almost irrelevant story of the week, which is a story which is far from irrelevant this week. The headline from Fox 11 in Los Angeles reads, 
KTLA news anchor found dead at age 43. From the story, Glendale, California, Fox 11 has confirmed reports that local KTLA news anchor Chris Burroughs has been found dead in Glendale Hotel. Burroughs had been on KTLA 5 Morning News since 2011. He passed away Thursday at the age of 43. Uh, uh, A statement from KTLA, our thoughts and prayers go out to the Burroughs family. Chris loves sharing the stories of Southern California and connecting with our viewers. He'll be remembered as a great journalist and a wonderful friend to many. He brought a kindness to his work and will be deeply missed. The entire KTL family, by the entire KTL family. He joined KTLA in 2011, from WPIX-TV, the Tribune station in New York, where he was a morning anchor to help launch the KTLA Weekend Morning News. Viewers also know him from his popular segment, Burroughs Bites, where he profiled local restaurants. Now, this story is so low. We know it's so low because I basically posted it as I got out of bed this morning. And so it had very little time. I did a little earlier sorting of the stories to get them ready to go to kind of get things rolling. So they had very little time to get get seen at all, which is why it was a very low response. It'll probably be a big response throughout the day, and we'll probably do an update on it as we get more details. In fact, we have an updated story, updated details on the story we'll probably post later in the weekend about the situation he was in. Right now, police suspect that he died of an apparent drug overdose in the hotel where he was found. Uh, this it happened in L.A. and happened um, late in the night, early in the morning, if you will. So it's going to take a while for everyone to process it, especially local time. They're getting it all the way to where I am, central time. So we'll probably send updates tomorrow and throughout the week if as we get them for this. So this will pop up again. But it's also a chance to once again pop up the reminder of the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Now, this may not have been a suicide, but an overdose is still a person who was really looking for something that they didn't think they can find. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is open 24-7 or the website where you can chat with people as well to get help, get someone to talk to. The number for the hotline is 800-273-8255. That's 800-273-TALK. And the website is suicidepreventionlifeline.org. If you're in need of something, if something just is not right, you're just completely out of sorts, reach out to a hotline like this, reach out to a local agency where you are, reach out to friends that you have, or reach out to any random stranger that will listen to you because you deserve to be listened to. Uh, and, And someone will love to make sure they helped you out of a situation that could be dire, drastic, and permanent like this one is. Just go ahead and wrap up this week's show by going through rounding out the top 15, which is stories 11 through 15, not quite big enough to make it into the range of the big countdown, but pretty significant because you like them that much. So we will go there at least. Starting off with number 11, a little less fanfare, but we'll we'll go through the headlines and go a little deeper into the stories. I probably won't read very much. LeBron James accuses NFL team owners of being old white men with slave mentality. Now, LeBron James is no stranger to speaking up and speaking out, which he's earned by just being a human, and he's earned the platform by being the best basketball player in the world at the moment. You can debate the in the world ever later, but because he has this platform, he has a right to say what he wants to say, and he usually says things that are pretty solid, and he backs things up by, you know, building schools in his community. Here's what he's saying about NFL owners. Here's part of the quote from um, an HBO show, The Shop. In the NFL, they just got a bunch of old white men owning teams, and they got that slave mentality. And it's like, y'all, this is my team. You do what the F I tell you to do, or we get rid of y'all. 
That's what he said. Them, their words. So he didn't lash out at his own owners in his own league or anybody else's league, baseball or hockey or basketball, obviously. He's talking about the NFL owners. And there's a whole different ball game, pun intended, on how things work between ownership and each of the different uh, sports leagues. And in the NFL, particularly, it's a whole different thing where the owners have been called by other people to have the slave owner mentality. So it's nothing fresh or new, he just said. It's just fresh and new because it comes from LeBron James, who has been known to speak his mind and not be afraid of the consequences. The number 12 story is also a sports story, a a feel-good story, if you will. The headline for this one, uh, going to hockey, if you follow hockey, Buffalo Sabres announcer Rick Jeanette doing well after being hospitalized during broadcast. Jen Renette, which I'm totally butchered. I'm sure it's French, which is why I'm butchering it. So the announcer for the Buffalo Savers uh, was literally on the air last Saturday uh, when he was taken to the hospital when he had felt ill during the broadcast. And it was um, amazing that he survived through the whole thing. But he was resting well as this went down. We posted this one on Sunday, December 23rd. Uh, by the way, we posted the LeBron James story on Saturday, December 22nd, just so that you know. This is one that almost turned into a super story, but it wasn't enough of a, a, a massive response. It was right where it was, so we went along with, with this one exactly where it was. It wouldn't make much difference what happened to it. But this is a story that got a lot of headlines. This is essentially our second-ish, or maybe third-ish posting of it, so... That's why we thought about looking for more headlines to see how to rate it. But it didn't. This one essentially stood on its own. And there's apparently more growing to this one from since we posted it. But originally posted by us for this story on this Thursday, the 27th. This is a story that's been going on for about two weeks now. Uh, enough mumbling. Let's get to the story. Why, why don't we? New Jersey superintendent decides referee who made teen cut hair won't work in district again. Now, most of you probably know the story, especially here in the States. There's a viral video of a teenager uh, with dreadlocks who was wrestling at a, a an event, and the referee told him he had to cut his, cut his dreadlocks off or forfeit there because the hair was not within the standard. Now, we had to have a story that, that kind of went deeper into this that blamed the, if you want to call it a misunderstanding, on the fact that the per, that particular referee wasn't there at weigh-ins. And the kid weighed in fine and had his hair covered and basically was told, and told you know, to make sure you wear your head, your head headgear, something they had been wearing all season long, they being him and his brother, who both wrestled uh, for um, both wrestled for the team. The brother had similar hair and had, had his headgear as well. He wasn't ref by this particular ref. This ref said no. They have pictures of him cutting his hair literally right before the match, which he won. So there you go. However, this got really, really big. There was a lot of there's a lot of things going on with this one. In fact, there's a, a um, the criminal justice investigation on it for just being a racist incident, which it seems like um, just why the guy was such a thing. The guy's actually been um, been noted for calling um, other people of other ethnicities things that aren't so nice about their ethnicities as well. So he's got a history of some of these things going on. And we found out, or I heard from a story earlier, where so there might be some overlap where the school themselves said they're not going to any single event where that referee is going to go was going to be. Period. They're boycotting the rest of his scheduled events. So the superintendent of the district just said he's not in our district. Period. So we'll see what happens with him further going. 
But for the moment, it's not a real happy ending on this one. This is just, it's an ending. We'll see what, what where this goes from here. Number 14 story was a really, really interesting one as well. And it's a weekend, a couple of weeks where we're dealing with uh, college bowl games and college football players who are in the extra spotlight as some of them wrapping up their careers, some of them getting ready for a long respite from the workouts was going on. But this was a serious issue that took a lot of, tw- lot of twists and turns in the process. We posted this link on the Saturday the 22nd. So this is when the, essentially the whole thing started. And it's involved from there. This story, I don't believe, has the has the updates, but we'll give you some of the updates from there. But this is a few lines. Well, headline first. LSU football players involved in fatal shooting. Two LSU student athletes were involved in a fatal shooting near Baton Rouge on Saturday after one person was found dead in the backseat of a truck in Scottsville. The two student athletes were taken in for questioning and remain in police custody. They have not been arrested at the time. So there's some back and forth on on what was going on and how it went back and crazy. But this is how I understand it. And I don't have the story here, so bear with me how it goes. Essentially, the student that was killed was killed by an LSU football player because the student that was killed was attempting to rob the players, their vehicles, the players themselves, whatever. And that's how the whole thing happened. And that's how it went down. We will... You can check out your local outlet and see how it's going on. With all the things that have happened this week, this one didn't get buried per se. It was a kind of a minorish, lingering sports story, but there's a lot of things happening this week that kept it from progressing the way it did or the way it could have past the weekend. And we're down to the wire with the number 15 story of the week. And this is one that got a lot of love national, nationally and a lot of love politically because it meant a lot. And it was big enough to get right into the range, but not quite big enough to make it into the top spots. And that being RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the headline for the week, just as Ruth Bader Ginsburg had cancerous nodules removed from her lung. Now, we posted this one originally on Friday, December 21st, and we found about about this, and it progressed as a larger story. There really was no need to to it's, uh, just uh, elaborate into it, other than the fact that later in the week she was released from the hospital, and while she was recovering, she was sitting next to a speakerphone so that she was getting she was getting work done. She was listening to cases uh, during her recovery, uh, but. Last month, when she fell and she broke, um, she fell and and had some issues, broke her ribs. Uh, they did some chest X-rays and found these cancerous nodules that were, uh, I, I'm sure they they were um, benign. I'm sure there was nothing wrong, but they were just there. But there was no real, real reason to find them. Of course, she is a two-time survivor of breast cancer. Uh, no reason really looking for them, but an X-ray because of her broken ribs found them there. So. That happened months ago. This week, she had it removed. She just showed up, had her thing done, and recovered. Didn't tell nobody till it was time to be told. And as we said, at, during her recovery, she sat by her speakerphone. She listened to court arguments. She had work get done. And she just got released uh, later, um, uh, late in this week. So RBG is going to outlive all of us, apparently. So apparently she sees her role as that important. and I, And we respect her just that much as well. And that's it. 15 plus stories for the week that we talked about that you guys voted on. You guys told us what was important to get them in here. And how do you do that one more time? Let me tell you. 
You follow us on the social medias. On Instagram, we're at This Is The Conversation, but you can see the top fives every day. If you want to really get in and vote, follow us on Twitter or Facebook. That's just how it is. Twitter is TH underscore conversation. Facebook is This Is The Conversation. And make sure we're set to be a default in your feeds. I know there's a lot of changes on the Facebook, but we are really friendly. We're not offering up fake news. We're doing a diverse amounts of sites. And these are things that aren't the straight up Chiron stories that last all day long. Check it out on us on your social media, Facebook and Twitter. And check out our website, thisisaconversation.com as well. And if you like, love, share, hate, or respond to the stories, the more responses they get, the higher they go up in the rank and the higher they get to be in a countdown each week. You can email me at theconversationinbox at gmail.com. You can email me also at jclevenpain at gmail.com or check out jclevenpain.net for more great things and more information on the bigger project of More Better Media coming in mere weeks. Actually, technically days because they're coming in the start of 2019. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss out an episode. And find somebody to share the love with. Share it with friends. Share it with families. Share it with random strangers. Share it with your mortal enemies. Because you never know just how tight you are until you get to complaining about bears ripping people's arms off and debating that. Because trust me, we had a lot of love over that this week. In the meantime, keep on being what you are. Great people, newsworthy people, people who are knowledgeable and not afraid to show it and think it. And be here next week for another great countdown, counting from 10 to 1, the stories that you picked as more important than anything else out there that those folks are telling you from the weekly wrap-up show. Here, from This Is a Conversation with me, Jay Clifford Payne. I will see you next week next year with more news stories in the podcast.